Can you believe it? It's here. Week one of the NFL season. Thank God. I don't know if we could have made it. Today, we are previewing the NFC. I'm sure you're going to want to stick around for this one. Let's talk some football. Welcome back to the show, Generally Managed Podcast. If you're wondering why my voice sounds like this and if I'm just, is this my sexy voice? Well, I have you know, all my voices are sexy voices, but this one in particular is because I feel like a garbage bag full of doo-doo, but like the great ones, I'm going to push through, I'm going to press on, and I'm going to deliver you some grade A, 100% USDA choice football analysis. We're talking the NFC here. Did the AFC preview last week? If you didn't have a chance to check that out, go back to episode two, season two, so you can hear what that was about. Uh, I know a lot of the picks were chalk, with the exception of the AFC North and the feedback that I got. I'll, I was kind of surprised. I had a lot more people had some stuff to say about the fact that I had the Cleveland Browns finishing second in the division, and a lot less about the Ravens finishing last. But I guess. Nobody really gives a shit about the Ravens. That, that's what that tells me. Today, we're going to start with the NFC East, and I'll let you know, before we get grooving here, there is going to be a team, a placement, a finish in every division that every single one of you disagree with, and that's fine. And I got to tell you, after I sat down, I looked at the schedules and how those rolled out. This is what I came up with. The NFC East, no surprise here, the Philadelphia Eagles, 14-3 and a season ago. The most shocking things about the Eagles preseason is that their season win total is only at 10.5. Now, yes, the schedule is supposed to be a lot more difficult. And generally, when you see easy money like this, a team that won 14 games last year and is most people's favorite to return to the Super Bowl and represent the NFC, 10.5 wins looks kind of fishy, and everybody would hammer the over. Often in this situation, I'll do the opposite and take the under just because it seems like easy money, but I'm not. I'm definitely going over Ten and a half wins. Again, the schedule is more difficult. And they did lose a little bit in free agency, but they didn't lose. The Eagles didn't lose anybody that's going to make me stop and, and scratch my head and say, hey, what are we going to do now? And to be honest, I think San Francisco might have gotten a little worse in the offseason. And they were, as far as I'm concerned, the Eagles' biggest threat in the NFC. I don't even think we need to get into Jalen Hurts and, and Nick Sirianni and all that. Philly's number one in the division, and I doubt anybody's going to have anything negative to say about that. But second in the division, I've got the New York Giants, 9-7 a year ago. The defense, only concern I've got here is they're starting two rookie cornerbacks, and in a division in which you've got to deal with Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown in Philadelphia, C.D. Lamb in Dallas, Terry McLaurin, if he can get his toe right in Washington, is starting two rookie corners. That's a concern, but the defensive front, is solid. I think they're going to get better. Everybody's talking about the Giants overachieving last year and kind of coming back down to earth. But I got to ask you, let's look at this from the other side of the street here. What if Brian Dayball is this good? What if Daniel Jones takes another step? What if they all level up the entire offense, right? The offensive line, they, they've got a running back. Saquon Barkley's in the locker room. He's happy. He got a little bit more money. But what if, what if Brian Dayball has this team on the come up? I think he does. I think the Giants are going to be a team to be reckoned with, and I've got them second in the division. Third, the Dallas Cowboys, 12-5 and five a year ago. 
and I got to say, there's a lot of stuff I don't like about the Cowboys from last season to this season. First and foremost, it's that Mike McCarthy's going to be calling plays. Under Kellen Moore, the Cowboys were fourth in the league in points per game. And for some reason, you decide that you want to get rid of him, so you send him packing. At least, luckily for you, he ended up in the AFC with the Chargers. But Mike McCarthy doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who I want calling plays. I know that was his responsibility in Green Bay, but it, it went so poorly towards the end there that Aaron Rodgers basically had him exiled. On top of that, left tackle Tyron Smith, 32 years old. Uh, he's been, he spends a lot of time on the IR. Both 20 and 22, he missed 13 games last year. Uh, right tackle Terrence Steele didn't play after week 14. And for a team whose identity offensively, whether we want to talk about Dak Prescott or CeeDee Lamb, it's running the ball. So these concerns on the offensive line are legit. And now this week, backup offensive lineman Josh Ball has, quote, significant hip injury. Now, while he's a backup, he can play almost every position on the line. And when you've got guys on your starting lineup that have trouble staying healthy, losing your Swiss Army knife backup is a big deal. In addition to that, Dalton Schultz, tight end, he's gone. You don't just get to keep on finding random tight ends that step up and give you 65, 70, 75 catches a game. Cowboys are very lucky to have had Dal Dalton Schultz. Zeke's gone. Now, is Zeke this year going to be like Zeke from three years ago? No. But you've brought no one in that can do what Zeke did. On top of that, Dak led the league in interceptions. And while that might not be as big of a deal as you think, he missed five games. How hard is it to lead the league in picks when you don't play for a third of the season? Holy shit. You sign Brandon Cooks, that's nice, but he turns 30 this upcoming season. He had the second least catches of his career last year. And I know you're going to say, well, he had Davis Mills throwing him the ball. How's he supposed to be productive with Davis Mills? Well, he had Davis Mills throwing him the ball two years ago when he went for 90,006. So I'm going to pump the brakes on signing, trading for a speed receiver to bring in. Uh, there's a reason why nobody else wanted him. And then Dak's not happy. This whole Trey Lance thing where they give up a fourth rounder for Trey Lance, and I understand there might be some value there, but he's never going to play. He's not going to get on the field. So effectively, all you did, Jerry Jones, was give away a fourth-round pick to bring somebody in to piss Dak off. That, that's what you did. So I think Dallas is going to step back this year. I've got him third in the division. And at the back of the division, the Washington Commanders, 8-8-1 eight, eight, a year ago, better than you'd think. And I actually think they're going to have a better year this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they challenge for a wild-card spot the defense allowed the seventh fewest points per game last year, and that was without Chase Young. The same Chase Young, number two overall pick in the draft, who did not have his fifth-year option picked up. He is going to be ready to play. He'll come into camp in the best shape of his life. Now, the concern for anybody is that Sam Howell, unproven fifth-round pick, second-year quarterback, is going to be lining up under center. But I mean, he's better than we think. If you watched in the ACC football, if you watched him in North Carolina, his junior year, he was being talked about as possibly the number one pick in the draft. Now, obviously, things didn't go that well. He lost a ton of talent to the NFL, and that's how that stuff kind of goes. But this Washington team with, I mean, whoever, a quarterback, beat Philadelphia on the road last year. That was the Eagles' first loss. They tied the Giants at MetLife, and they ass-pounded Dallas 26-6 in Week 18. That was Sam Howell's only start. He went 11 for 19 for 169 yards, a touchdown and interception, but an underrated part of his game. He had five carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. Dak, 
in the same game, by the way, was 14 for 37 for 128. One and one. The commanders are going to be better than people think. The NFC North, everybody and their mothers got the Lions penciled in as the NFC North champions. I've got Green Bay winning this division. They were 8-9 a year ago. Just so much nonsense, so much noise, so much chatter in the offseason. Aaron Rodgers, again, threatening to retire and then trying to kind of force his way and trying to get the, the general manager fired. Like, that has an effect on what's going on. He didn't work with any of the receivers. It took a while for them to get on the same page. Well, this Green Bay team won four of their last five. Matt LaFleur, I think, is actually a good coach. And he's going to prove it this year with Jordan Love. Is Jordan Love going to come in and be a pro bowler right away? Probably not, although in the weak NFC, that's definitely a possibility. And as far as the Lions go, Green Bay lost to him last year by six and four. And again, the Lions are a much improved team. But roster-wise, I think the Packers are just better. Detroit, on the other hand, I've got second. Nine and eight a year ago, they were five and one in the division and the only team with a positive point differential in the entire division. That's absurd. They gave up 56 points more than Green Bay, though. So they had a positive point differential, but Green Bay supposedly, with a more difficult schedule by virtue of winning the division the previous year, gave up 56 less points than these Lions. The defense was just stinky. Five teams in the NFC allowed 400 or more points, and the Lions were one of them. And if we're going to start leveling up this Detroit team, I want to remind you of who's at quarterback. Now, does Jared Goff deserve all the hate that he got two and three years ago? No. But let's pump the brakes on, on saying that Detroit is ready to enter the elite of the NFC when they've got Jared Goff at quarterback. We know who he is and what he is. Best case scenario, he's Derek Carr. Nobody's been clamoring for the services of Derek Carr that I can recall. Third, I've got the Minnesota Vikings, 13 and four a year ago. Since the 09 season, the Vikings have had 10 plus wins six times. Their win totals the following season were six, five, eight, eight, seven, and then we'll see what happens this year. So basically what I'm telling you is over the last 15 years when the Vikings win 10 games, they have failed to finish above 500 the following season. I don't think they're gonna buck that trend this year. Now. They were in the top half of the league offensively, and I think they will remain there. Kevin O'Connell, head coach, great play caller. Kirk Cousins is a quarterback I like more than most. Justin Jefferson. Alexander Madison is going to be good. They draft Jordan Addison. They're still going to be able to score, but the defense was a bottom third of the league. Now they hire Brian Flores, who is a fantastic defensive mind, to come over and take care of the defense. But you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, and they need more talent on that side of the ball if they're going to have any kind of repeat of a season last year. And then bringing up the rear. Chicago Bears, 3-14 and 14 a year ago. Owners of the first pick in the NFL draft before they traded it away. The offensive line has improved. Another year for Fields to develop. And they bring, finally, a go-to receiver for him in D.J. Moore. Here's the problem. The defense was 29th in yards allowed and last in points allowed. And the offense was 23rd in points scored and 28th in yards per game. you got to turn around both the offense and the defense if you're going to get this thing fixed this year for Chicago, and I just don't think they are, I do like what they did with Justin Fields, giving him another year, trading away that pick, getting him a receiver, and picking up future draft capital. But this is going to be another year coming for the Chicago Bears. The NFC South, my winners of this division, I've got the Atlanta Falcons. One of three teams in the division that went 7-10 and 10 years ago. Listen, they've got the worst quarterback in the division, in my opinion. Desmond Ritter, second-year quarterback. Four starts last year, he's worse than Baker Mayfield. He's worse than Derek Carr, and he's probably worse than Bryce Young. So what 
in the world would possess me to pick the Falcons with this situation under center to win the division. It's all about Arthur, Arthur Smith. These, this team was one away, one win away from being tied for the division lead. And Marcus Mariota played for almost the entire season. Do we think Desmond Ritter is really all that much worse than Marcus Mariota? Because I don't. Now, eight of their losses were one-score games. They draft Bijan Robinson. Listen, this Falcons team was second in the league in rushing attempts in 2022 and third in rushing yards. And they get one of the most electric running backs to come into the NFL since Saquon Barkley, probably the best running back. They know what they do well, and they're going to keep doing it well. I think the defense does enough for the Falcons to win this division. And second, another surprise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last year's division winner at 8-9. They underachieved last year, everybody agrees, but the injuries on the offensive line were significant last year. Now, center Ryan Jensen, pro bowler, he's out for the year. Again, can't get that knee right, but left tackle Tristan Worst is back. And they draft rookie Cody Mock at right guard. He'll help. Listen, Baker Mayfield, again, I think is better than people think he is. But look at what he's got to work with here at wide receiver. The best, the best receiving core that he's had since he's been in the NFL, Chris Godwin is an incredible possession, possession receiver. Mike Evans is one of the best deep threats in the league. Rashad White's going to be better than people think in the back. The offense is going to be better. And the defense... They struggled as well. They did not get helped out by the offense last year, but this is one of the better defenses in the league too. Don't overthink it. The Bucs are going to be better than most people are expecting them to be. A third, I've got the New Orleans Saints, 7-10. and 10. I know that they got Derek Carr, and that's all fine and good. But head coach Dennis Allen is the reason that I think New Orleans is going to keep on doing New Orleans things. He's 15-38 and 38 as a head coach. He was 8-28 and 28 in Oakland. From 2012 to 2014, he was 7-10 and 10 with his team last year in a bad division. And Derek Carr's career numbers, his career win total 63 to 79 losses. That's nine seasons. He's been over 500 just twice. I checked on our lads when I was making these notes to take a look at the depth chart for the Saints. Imagine my surprise when Michael Thomas is listed as a starter at wide receiver, the same Michael Thomas who started 10 games over the last three years and total 56 catches and zero touchdowns over that time. It might be just time to cut him loose. Then the other thing here that I don't like about where the Saints are going, their first two picks in the draft, first rounder Brian Brissy out of Clemson, second rounder Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame, are both listed as backups. What the hell's going on here? I know the defense is supposed to be good, but when you've got first round talent, first round picks, second round picks, you're drafting those guys to come in and start right away. So I'm not sure what the hell's going on over here in New Orleans, but that doesn't make me feel good. And then bringing up the rear of the division, Carolina 7-10. and 10. They got a rookie quarterback. I know the offensive line's supposed to be good, but they have nobody. I mean, absolutely nobody to catch the ball. Here's this wide receiver core. DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall. Huh? They're both questionable for week one. Alan, Adam Thielen, his best days have been behind him for three or four years now. He's got sore ribs. They got Miles Sanders, they give him $6 million a year. If last year showed us anything, after they trade Christian McCaffrey, they just plug in whoever they want back there, and he rushes for 95 and a touchdown. Carolina's going to struggle this year. They're bringing up the rear of the division. And finally, the NFC West. This division's got three of the best coaches in the league. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, CBS-ranked NFL coaches. They had Shanny at two, McVay at four, and Carroll at nine. Jonathan Gannon, if you're wondering was at 31, new coach, 
of the Cardinals. The only coach that he was out of was the Bears' Matt Eberflus. Something else is going to give people something to talk about. I've got Seattle winning this division. 980 a year ago, made the playoffs. They started 6-3 and three, but finished 3-5. and five. Four of those losses were by one score. Don't underestimate the impact of Bobby Wagner returning to Seattle. One year away with the Rams. He's back. They need that leadership. Seattle probably has the best collection of cornerbacks in the league. Devin Witherspoon, rookie out of Illinois, and Tariq Woolen, rookie pro bowler last year. Seattle's going to make some noise. Offensively, we know what they can do. I know the offensive line fell off as the season went on, but they were so young. They've got Ken Walker to take some of the pressure off Geno Smith, and they draft Zach Charbonnet, who's probably just as good. I think Seattle levels up. Pete Carroll keeps on proving that he's one of the best coaches in the league. San Francisco, second in the NFC West, 13-4 a year ago. They play a first-place schedule. They're going to go to Philly. they got to travel to Jacksonville. On top of all of the other division games, conference games they've got to play, their season win total is 11.5. I've taken the under. Brock Purdy looked great last year, right? Well, I'm going to have to see you do some stuff coming off a torn UCL. I do like the addition of Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is going to play a lot of games for this team. Uh, if he does, they won't miss a beat. But I don't think they come anywhere close to dupl duplicating their 13 wins from a year ago. Third place in the division, no surprise here, the LA Rams, 5-12 and 12 a year ago. They've got a 35-year-old quarterback in Matthew Stafford with major injury concerns. Last year, he dealt with a spinal cord bruise, a concussion. He had elbow problems. The previous season, they had a lower lumbar sprain, dealt with thumb issues. Matthew Stafford is the definition of a quarterback who is aging exponentially in years. And if he's not on the field, then we're going to see Stetson Bennett. This ain't college football, y'all. The Rams had the second worst offensive line in the NFL, according to sharp football analysis. So you've got a quarterback that has trouble staying healthy. You've got a running back in Cam Akers that has trouble staying healthy. And you have the second worst offensive line in the league to try and keep both of them upright. I don't think so. And your best offensive player, Cooper Cup, experienced a setback this past week with his injured hamstring, which means who are we throwing the ball to? Van Jefferson, is he the one? Is that, that that's how it's going to go? It's not looking good for the Rams. And they're bringing up the rear of the division, the Arizona Cardinals, 4-13 a year ago. Last year is going to look like a pleasure cruise compared to this year. We're starting Josh Dobbs at quarterback. Now, is he better than Stetson Bennett? For the Rams, probably. But again, Jonathan Gannon is just absolutely going to be terrible as a coach. They brought him in to be a sacrificial lamb. I doubt he'll make it to next season. We don't even need to, to break down the Cardinals. They're going to be terrible. They want to be terrible. They want the first pick in the draft. Tank for Caleb is going to be their motto. And I got to tell you, we talked about it before. I don't think the dude's going to win a play for him based on how this season goes. All right, that's going to do it. That's how I think the NFC is going to shake out. Come back and see us a little bit later in the week. We're going to be talking preview for NFL Week 1. I'll give you my best bets, and we'll also talk a little bit of college football. Have a good one, everybody.